So, it's been a very full service already, which is really, really awesome. Uh, but we do want to take a few minutes to be able to just unpack briefly uh, one of the snapshots of Christmas. And as I said, over the next four weeks, as we make our way through this Advent season, we want to look at some of the characters that are a part of the Christmas narrative and uh, to be able to see what it looks like for us to focus on hope, love, joy and peace through their different eyes. And so today we're going to look at a couple of characters that often don't feature massively in the Christmas narrative, but were there very early on uh, in Jesus' life. And those two people are Simeon and Anna. So you have your uh, teaching notes inside of the newsletter. You can grab those if you want to jot things down through today's message. And if you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 2 as well. It's important to recognise the context of what we're talking about, and particularly the context in which Simeon and Anna were living their lives. And to do that, we need to understand the context of the whole Old Testament and to be able to understand the story of what is really almost two-thirds of our Bibles. The Old Testament is really the story of the journey of a group of people called the Israelites, who started with this guy named Abraham and his family and all of the generations that came after that, where God came to Abraham and said, I want to use your family to create a nation who are going to be able to experience what life is supposed to be all about, who are going to be able to experience what life is the way that I created it to be what it means to live in a healthy relationship with me as God, what it means to live in a healthy relationship with each other and to live in a healthy relationship with creation. So that was the plan. But the Israelites, because they're people, like a lot of us are, said, that sounds great, God. We're going to go over here instead. And thanks, but no thanks. We'll go and do our own thing. And oddly enough, that didn't go very well. Things messed up. And so God would gently, sometimes not so gently, try and bring them back and say, okay, This is the plan. Here's what it looks like to live in a healthy relationship with me, with each other, and with my creation. And the Israelites were like, great, we're going to go over here. And so they would take off again, and they would mess a whole bunch of things up. And then once again, God would bring them back and say, okay, here's what it looks like. And so this process just goes over and over again. And that's a lot of what the Old Testament is. Now, some of the key people who tried to help bring the Israelites back on track were these people called prophets. They were people who spoke on behalf of God, who understood what God was trying to say, and who said to the Israelites, guys, we've got to get back on track. This is what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be focused on. But as time moved on, the prophets also talked about this person who was going to come at some point who was called the Messiah, the Saviour, the Rescuer, this one who was going to come as a king who was going to set up a new kingdom. And so these prophecies started to become a part of the expectation and the hope that the Israelites had, that at some point God was going to act and this person would arrive on the scene and set up this new kingdom where people would get to live the way that God always wanted them to be able to live. However, the Israelites misinterpreted a lot of what that was going to look like. And their expectation of this Messiah was that he was going to come and be this awesome military king. Someone kind of like King David in the Old Testament, someone who was going to ride in on a big fancy horse, bring a big army with him, wipe out whoever was getting in the way and establish Israel as the most powerful nation on the planet. Well, these prophecies went on for hundreds and thousands of years, generation after generation after generation after generation of this journey of walking away from God's best, coming back on track, these prophecies that this Messiah was going to come, holding on to these promises that God had given to the Israelite people. 
But as we've talked about a few times over the last few weeks, ultimately the Israelites ended up becoming completely captured because of their choices to walk away from God's best. They ended up in exile and completely scattered. And then the Old Testament finishes and there's a period of hundreds of years where there's silence, nothing. God doesn't say anything to the Israelites anymore. Seems like God's kind of left the building and forgotten all about them. But what's really staggering is that there were these people who were faithful Israelites who held on to these promises, held on to hope that God was still going to act. And so that's the context in which we read our passage today. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. This is a pretty amazing promise. Imagine that you were Simeon and that God had spoken this to you and said, you are going to meet this person who's been prophesied for thousands of years, the Messiah, you're going to meet him. But also think logistically, what must this have been like for Simeon? Did he get up every day? He was like, I wonder if today's the day. So he'd go and do his shopping. He's like, am I going to meet the Messiah here? Someone at the shops? No, maybe not. Imagine if he went to a party and he just met all these new people. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Just every day, was he just waiting and waiting and waiting? Am I going to meet the Messiah today? I wonder what life was like for Simeon. Well, ultimately, we get to this day in verse 27 where it happens. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you've promised. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel." Imagine the sense of joy that Simeon must have had. The fulfilment of all of these prophecies and the fulfilment of these promises that he'd been told, you will get to meet the Messiah. Imagine what it must have been like this day where he goes to the temple, today's the day, and he gets to hold Jesus and realise all of those things we've been waiting for, all those things we've been hoping for have come true in this little child. But it's amazing what he says. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, some of that language is a little bit complex. When we talk about salvation, we're really talking about being rescued. So what Simeon is saying is this is the one who is going to rescue all of us, to save us so that we can live the way that God always wanted us to be able to live. But what's fascinating is that he doesn't just say this is the salvation, the rescuing, the saving for Israel. He says this is a salvation for all people. Everyone has the opportunity to be rescued because of Jesus. And then he says that Jesus is also going to be the light to reveal God to the nations. Jesus comes to shine a light on God to be able to show us this is what God is like. If we ever wonder what God's like, We just have to look at Jesus because he reveals God to us. And if we won't ever wonder how we're supposed to live our lives, we look at Jesus because he shines a light to say, this is the way to live the way that God always created you to live. 
So Simeon, just this massive sense of joy and excitement, finally seeing these promises fulfilled in this little tiny baby. But now imagine that you're Mary and Joseph. In some ways, what they were doing at the temple was like a child's dedication. So many of you have been to child dedications before. So imagine you're the parents, you've gone through the service, you've done all the things that you need to do. And after the service, some guy comes up to you and says these things to you. How would you have felt? (laughs) Wow, that's a lot of information to try and take in all at once. In verse 33, we read, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. This is the challenging reality of Jesus appearing on the scene. It's not all good news. There are also these realities about the fact that Jesus is going to come and cause many Israelites to fall. These people we've been waiting for the Messiah, because of their misunderstandings, a whole bunch of stuff's going to happen to them that is not necessarily ideal. Lots of people are going to oppose him. He's going to reveal the deepest thoughts of many hearts, the motivations that are there for people that are not aligned with God's best. And then specifically to Mary, he says, a sword will pierce your soul. It's prophecy looking forward to what we know ultimately happens for Jesus where he dies on the cross. And so for Mary, this sense of joy is wrapped up also with this sense of grief about what's going to come. So imagine this roller coaster of emotions that you're on if you're Mary. So you're experiencing all these things, things that the angels have said and Simeon saying, and yet all of this wrapped up with the complexity. Life's not necessarily all just going to be great. We're going to dig into Mary's story a little bit more next week. Well, all this happens. You're ready to go home. It's time to head out, go and grab some lunch, but not quite. In verse 36, we read that Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Just put yourselves in Anna's shoes. This beautiful, amazing woman who's 84 years old, who's been a widow for decades. Was married, but her husband passed away very early. And she then spent her whole life serving God, worshipping God, fasting and praying. I'm really grateful that as a part of our church family, we have a whole bunch of Annas. So many beautiful people who you've had very, very hard times in your lives as well. You have faithfully showed up week after week to worship God, to put God number one in your life. To be able to pray and seek God. Say, God, what's next for us? What are you saying to us? It's a beautiful reality that we've got so many Annas who are a part of our church family. Well, she comes along just as Simeon is finishing up with Mary and Joseph, and she also realises this is the one, the one who's been spoken about for so long. He's finally here. 
And so she goes away praising God, talking about the child to everyone who would listen, everyone who's been expectantly waiting for God to rescue Jerusalem, to rescue Israel and to rescue the world. So today I want to just give us an opportunity to be able to reflect on where our hope lies. In whom or what do I place my hopes? As we begin this journey towards Advent, in whom or what do I place my hopes? For some of us, we can be a bit like the Israelites, where if we're honest, we also are hoping for power, for strength, to be at the centre of things. Just like the Israelites hoped this military ruler was going to come in and set everything up perfectly for them, we can sometimes have that same sense of hope. I just wish that things would change so that we could be the most powerful. We could be the strongest. We could be at the centre of things. For some of us, our hope can tap into what our cultural norms are about comfort. But we're told over and over and over again by our culture, particularly through advertising, life's meant to be easy. Life's meant to be comfortable. And if you buy this product, your life will be even better. And so we very subtly tap into that reality where we think if I just get more stuff, if I just do these things, my life's going to be easy. My life's going to be comfortable. And so sometimes we can place our hope in things that make us comfortable. For some of us, we can place our hope in security. If I can just get things under control financially, if I can just get the house paid off, if I can just get everything in order, exactly the way that I would like it to be, in a nice little box, all nicely tied up, then everything's going to be great. And so we can place our hopes in security. The challenge for us as we head towards Christmas is to recognise that our hope is meant to be in Jesus. Our hope is meant to be in Jesus. And the challenge is that Jesus so often upends our hopes and tips them upside down. They're not exactly the hopes that we generally hold on to. Advent is an opportunity for us to be able to reevaluate our hopes, to consider in whom or what we place our hope, and to prepare our hearts for the greeting of the King who comes to set up a kingdom that is about genuine hope. And I'm really challenged as I think about this season of waiting and this season of preparation to remember again the story of the Israelites. For generations, they waited and waited and waited. I struggle to wait two days for a package to come that I've ordered online. Waiting for centuries for God to fulfil his promises. No wonder there was a sense of joy for them when the Messiah finally arrived. Advent is an opportunity for us to build our sense of hope, to remind ourselves about what we hope for and to be able to celebrate that as we get closer and closer to Christmas. So I want to give us an opportunity just to pause for a couple of minutes. We'll transition across the communion. But in whom or what do I place my hopes as we head towards Christmas? Let's take some time to reflect.
Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you come as the King of hope, that you are the one who comes to bring hope into our lives and that you are hope fulfilled. We thank you for the journey of the Israelite people that serve as such a lesson for us, where we know that, God, you want to do everything for us to be able to live the way that you created us to live. But so often we choose to walk away from your best. And so often as we do, we experience challenging things in our lives. We thank you that, Jesus, you come to restore hope in our lives, both in terms of the good things that happen, but also in terms of the challenges that we face to give us the strength to keep going in the midst of difficult situations, to recognise that things aren't always going to be the way that they are right now. And we thank you that our hope extends beyond this life, that we know a time will come where we get to pass from this life into the next and that when that happens, we will get to experience life the way that it was always designed to be. And so as we make our way through this season of Advent, as we begin our journey towards Christmas Day, we pray that you would increase our hope and our expectation, that you would challenge us about the other places where we place our hope and instead to be able to rededicate ourselves to putting our hope in you as we walk towards that glorious day where we will celebrate you coming as the king who establishes a new kingdom that is filled with hope. In your name we pray. Amen.